NFL season is officially over. A very bittersweet feeling, but here we are the day after the Super Bowl, Monday morning. One of the most, uh, again, bittersweet mornings to end the season, but here we are. Welcome into another off-season edition of the Strictly Stripes podcast. Got Muhammad Ahmad here with you, the whole crew back together with Mike Nizek and Andrew Gillis. And uh, man, what a game last night. Eagles fall just short to the Chiefs, 38-35. Pat Mahomes gets the regular season MVP, the Super Bowl MVP, and a championship. So props to him. Um, as you kept saying all year, Andrew, he was the best quarterback in the league. And if there was any doubt about that, I think he absolutely left any doubt outside of the perimeter after a win like that. Um, and before we kind of get into some of the specifics of the game, I just want to get your all's thoughts on this. Like this question I want to ask you, if you're looking at the second half of that game, which was obviously where the game really unfolded, do you think the Eagles just choked or did Pat Mahomes just flex his MVP muscle? Which one would you say was more the case in the second half? I mean, Mahomes is the best player in the sport. Um, the, the chiefs were, were unstoppable in um in that second half i think early on you know the the eagles kind of missed their chance and um you know kind of like you mentioned we're going to get into this a little bit but i mean when mahomes like mahomes was playing on a banged up ankle he had to leave um obviously and he left with some some pretty significant pain it looked like on uh you know as he got to the sideline you're kind of wondering what is he going to look like and he did that i don't want to speculate as to what percentage he was at but he was not 100% that's pretty terrifying. Um, I mean, when you have, I thought the Eagles were the best team. I still think they were the best team in the league from top to bottom. If you include every position on the roster, one through 53. But when you have that one who was just so much better than everybody else, you see the results. A team can win a title off of that. Yeah, but I mean, you can kind of sell on the Chiefs coaching staff and Andy Reid a little short. I mean, their game plan in the second half, the way they, they kind right. of called the offense. Um, I know he, in his post-game interview, kind of spread the um, the praise around everybody else except himself. But, I mean, that was really, uh, you know, sort of a masterful. I mean, they scored every time they had the ball in the second half. Um, obviously, Mahomes was at the center of that. But, you know, just the way that they kind of attacked the Eagles um, was, was really impressive. Uh, Travis Kelsey was kind of quiet there for a while. And, you know, they, they still managed to just um, – you know, keep the foot, on, you know, foot on the gas, and, and really put together, you know, as complete of a second half offensively as, as you want to see. I mean, you know, defensively they still struggled a little bit. I mean, the only three and out came late in the game, um, but it didn't matter. They just, you know, you could the Eagles couldn't stop them. You know, I think all that's true, but I really believe the Eagles beat themselves. Like they really did. I, you know, we talked about the second half, but I also think like. Going into halftime, I mean, yeah, they got the field goal. They drove into the you know, Chiefs territory, but they just didn't turn on the Jets the way I thought they should have before halftime. Like, we know how Mahomes is. Like, if you give Mahomes a deficit at any point in the game, like even at halftime, like he's going to make you pay. You have to play as far ahead as you can against someone like Patrick Mahomes. And to go back to the Eagles, like, shooting themselves in the foot, I mean, to have the pass rush they have and to not sack him once, not a single time. Like, I, I'm honestly still just blown away by that. And I'll give credit to Andy Reid and, you know, the offensive line. Like, they have two pro bowlers on that line. But you have Hassan Reddick, Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, like, just to name a few, Josh Sweat. You couldn't even get to him once. And like you said, Andrew, we don't want to speculate what percentage his ankle was at, but it definitely wasn't 100%. Like, 
and I kind of want to tie this into the Bengals a little bit. Like, it's the same thing in the second half. Like, I think the Bengals only got to him once the whole game, once or twice. I'd have to go back and look. But it's the same thing. Like, how did Mahomes play the second half against the Bengals and second half against the Eagles in the Super Bowl the way he did? Yes, because he's the best player in the sport. Yes, because he's him. And he is the Super Bowl and league MVP for a reason. But, man, like, the Eagles are a top-five defense. Like, the Bengals' defense had gotten to Mahomes the last three meetings before that AFC championship. Philly absolutely shot themselves in the foot when it came to that. And both times the Chiefs got in the red zone late in the game, I mean, where where was the man-to-man defense? They just played some – either they had those blitzes where they just had Sky Moore and Kadarius Tony wide open, which to me looked like a lot of miscommunications – with their cornerbacks like Darius Slane, James Bradbury. And then other than that, they just played so much soft zone that they just let the Chiefs get so many quick passes where their rush couldn't even get to them. So, I mean, the the Eagles were the best team from top to bottom, but they absolutely did not do enough leading into halftime, coming out of halftime. But I'm also not going to take away from what the Chiefs did because, I mean, Mahomes was worthy of that. And Andy Reid is a future Hall of Fame, you know, first ballot coach for a reason. But I do want to zoom in on one point in the game that everyone is talking about, which I know is probably going to open up a whole can of worms, which is why I'm going to bring it up anyway. Under a minute to go, or about over a minute to go, James Bradbury, Eagles cornerback, gets a hold on Juju Smith-Schuster. It was on third down. Um, had they not called it, it would have been fourth down. Probably would have been a field goal with a little over a minute to go. You give Jalen Hurts time to cook with the ball. Instead, you give the Chiefs a fresh set of downs. They run the clock out, kick the field goal. Um... James Bradbury, I'm pretty sure he said to a bunch of reporters, yeah, I held him. I thought I could get away with it. But I don't know. Like, do you guys think he was just saying that to be humble? Or do you really think, like, that's what it was? People can move on and just let it go? I mean, I think it could be two things. I think it could – You, I mean, you look at the replay. He definitely grabbed him. Uh, he definitely pulled the jersey. Uh, that's It's one of those things where, you know, veterans try to get away with – uh, you know, you see that all the time on, um, you know, like quarterback throws a deep ball, a DB will, you know, they'll try and tug or they'll, uh, you know, they'll give that subtle off, you know, a receiver will give a subtle push off. It's just something that a veteran guy tries to get away with. He didn't get away with it. Uh, I, you know, I think in that spot, though, I, I'm not sure you can call that. I'm not one of those people who says, oh, well, you can't let the refs decide a game at the end. I think that that's kind of ridiculous. You know, I think that you have to officiate the game because it can't be legalized murder in the last <laughs> 10 minutes of the game. You know, it, it has to be the sport. You can't let, you know, a team that is clearly inferior hang with a team uh, that is better than them because they're just breaking the rules. You can't do that. You have to call the game. But I just thought that that was too ticky-tack to call. Um, and then when you kind of add in that situation and kind of how it happened, and obviously the events that followed that, which were the Chiefs ran three plays, essentially two of them were kneel downs, and or actually two of them were kneel downs, and then the game ends. It's just that's not a call I don't think you can or should make in that situation. I agree. I was fine with it. I mean, it was a penalty. Uh, you know, I thought he would have had a better chance to catch that ball because he got pulled coming out of his break. Can't make the play. I mean, what are you going to do? I mean, the timing of it shouldn't matter. Uh, you got to call it. Um, you know, the Eagles could have just, you know, not done that and been in a position to uh, get the ball back. I mean, I know people were outraged, sort of it ruined the ending, but I mean, you know, who's to say it would have been any different? You know, the Eagles could have just, you know, 
turn it over on downs or, you know, turned it over or, you know, you never know. So um, it just impacted his ability to make the, the make the play. And, and Mahomes saw it. He was pointing at it right after the play and, and threw it that direction just because he, he thought it was a penalty. So he forced their hand and the officials, you know, can't get caught up in sort of the time on the clock. They just got to make the, the call that, you know, they see. Yeah. I mean, like Andrew said, like, referees aren't there to ref from the first quarter to the last two minutes. Like they're there from start to finish. But if we're just zooming in on the call, like, and I have to look at this again, but I like looked at the replay and I couldn't tell if he just like had his hand on his back and then just kind of pulled off or if he like tugged on the shoulder. I mean, no, there, I were, there really... was a, there was a tug of a Jersey there. There was a screen oh, grab that kind of made the rounds there. There was definitely a Jersey tug there. So like, you know, if you want to call and, and like, I think one of the things that you you can debate whether or not you, you know, whether or not you can call in that situation. I disagree. I think you can call it if it was holding. But just kind of the way that I would like to see the game officiated, uh, the way that I would like to see a game called in general. That's a little bit light for my liking, a little bit ticky tack for my liking. That's, that's what I'm um, saying. You yeah. know, I I'm not saying that, it, you know, it, like if you're going to call the game tight and you're calling the game tight for 60 minutes. Then, then I'm okay with that being a penalty. You know, if he tackled the guy, that's that's a penalty. But uh, you know, for me, I, I just I look at that play, and um, you know, I, I I just I don't I wouldn't have called that in in that situation. And and look, I know it's easier said than done. I mean, refereeing. I mean, it, I think there's some, you know, <laughs> there's a lot of questions that people are going to ask this summer. But it's a hard job. But uh, so it's a lot easier said than done for sure. I think one of the big questions, and we, this is where the Bengals kind of come into play, and what I wanted to get into is, I mean, let's go back to this exact time last year when the Bengals played the Rams in the Super Bowl. It was about the same timing, under two minutes left in the game, out of the two-minute warning. Rams had a third and goal in their own red zone, just like the Chiefs did. Logan Wilson, Bengals linebacker, defensive pass from Cooper Cup. And I think, I don't know if that was as ticky-tacky, but it was ticky-tacky enough where he had his hand supposedly on Cup. And it was called a hold. And it just makes you wonder, like, two very eerily similar situations, I think, is where people have questions of, like, same thing with that game. Like, that was not a tight game. Like, other than maybe a missed face mask from, you know, T. Higgins on Jalen Ramsey, like, there was really no missed calls or blatant penalties in that game that would have turned anyone's head. So it just makes you wonder, like, why is there no consistency? Like, why is the game not being called tight until, like, what, a minute and a half? two minutes to go. I don't know. I think that's where, like, I have some questions. I think a lot of people have some questions. I know there was a pool report where they pretty much justified the holding penalty, but I don't know. I'm, I'm with you, Andrew. I think, you know, if you're going to call it, call it, but keep it consistent from start to finish because in defense of the Chiefs, there was one play where Bradbury it was on a third down, I think, in the first half where it looked like he almost had a P.I. on Juju Smith-Schuster and it wasn't called. And Juju was, like, visibly saying, you know, where's the flag? Where's the call? So you can maybe counter with that. But to kind of spin this forward, I mean, we talked about how Mahomes was so dominant, how Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy, and Steve Spagnuolo just drew up a lot of plans. I mean, I didn't talk about how, you know, as much as Jalen Hurts, you know, did what he did, um, they still did well enough to where, like, they couldn't take the lead, you know, late in the game. So, you know, a lot of praise to go around for all those coaches. But, like, if you're the Bengals, you're watching the Chiefs doing what they did, you know, what can you, I guess, appreciate about that? And what can you maybe learn from that as the Bengals try to go back to another AFC title game, and try to get back to the Super Bowl next year, as the road honestly probably goes through Kansas City again? 
Well, I mean, they've learned. I mean, he drafted a franchise quarterback like they the bank the Chiefs did. So, I mean, that's really the lessons. What one through five? I mean, I guess. I mean, you if you have one of the best quarterbacks in the league, you're going to be there. I don't know. Um, you know what else you take away from it? I, I think that you know, the Chiefs are <laughs> they have the, they have a generational player, and uh, the Bengals might have one as well. So, uh, you know, mission accomplished. Yeah, I mean, I, if, like if you want to call, you know, Burrow a generational player, that's fine. But I, I like, I still wouldn't put Mahomes and Burrow in the same bucket. Um, Mahomes is just so much better. I mean, last night the Chiefs had 21 first downs on 53 offensive plays. That's ridiculous. That's um, filthy. For, for 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 comparison's sake, the Eagles had 25 first downs on 72 plays. So. 19 more plays, four more first downs. Um, Like Mahomes, through the course of his career, you know, you can look at some advanced stats in terms of EPA. He's one of the best quarterbacks in the league, like, ever. Uh, If you want to compare some stretches that he's had, um, you look at what he's done in terms of his, you know, his accolades at this point, the Super Bowls, the players of the year, the, you know, the MVPs, all that kind of stuff. Burrow's just so terrifyingly good. And this was the year, you know, I wrote about this today. This was the first year where Patrick Mahomes was on a deal that was not a rookie deal that was actually kind of uh, commiserate with kind of what his value is. He was getting 17% of the cap just over it. Now, I mean, next year it's going to go up a little bit, but like this was, you know, Mahomes was supposed to, Mahomes and the Chiefs were supposed to be, this was the team where, okay, like this is the year it gets tough. And you kind of look at their receiving core, and it did get tough. You know, they have Juju Smith-Schuster. Um, you know, they traded for Kadarius Tony. You draft Sky Moore. None of those guys really strike fear into your heart. Yes, they have Travis Kelsey still. But this was supposed to be the team that was, you know, that was it. You know, this was supposed to be, okay, now it gets tougher for Mahomes. And Pat, Jalen Hurts made one mistake, and they scored 35 points, and they lost. Joe Burrow and the Bengals made – two, three, four mistakes at the end of a game, and they lost. You can't make mistakes against Patrick Mahomes. You're going to lose. And that's terrifying right. to look at if you're the rest of the AFC for the next, I don't know, decade. It's it's really, really, it's really going to be really, it's really, really tough for these guys right now. Well, just so, because Mahomes is the best player in the league doesn't mean that Joe Burrow can, can be, uh, uh, you know, one of the top three quarterbacks for the next decade. I mean, just because oh, sure. he's not right there doesn't mean – uh, it, it's all you know. He's good enough to set them up to be a contender, like he said, for the for his entire career. And that is a different sure. set of quarterbacks. Uh, you know, there's only probably a handful of them in the league that you know would be able to make that argument. And I think Burrow's one of them. Oh, and not for nothing. Uh, you know, he hasn't had really a full off season to, um, you know, a normal off season yet in his career, and he's done what he's done. So, um, you know, he's very young still too so i mean he could get better um and he could be that kind of quarterback that mahomes is but even if he doesn't because you know the obviously the dual threat of it all is never going to apply match but um he's still right there yeah yeah and that's why andrew i agree mahomes is the better quarterback but i slightly disagree when you say that you can't put mahomes and burrow in the same category like you said i think you can but it's just if we're looking within that category like mike said yeah 
Mahomes has that dual threat that maybe Burrow can't match. But I definitely think you, you know, you have to put him up there. Like we've talked about with the Josh Allen's and you know, maybe even the Lamar Jackson's, which we can talk more about later this week with his well, situation it, in Baltimore. But I mean, you gotta, you gotta put him in that category. Well, I mean, it, it, let me clarify. It, it depends. It depends what how you're going to categorize it. If you're going to say who's the best. Top, who's the top three quarterbacks in the league? Yeah, you know, you could probably Joe Burrow's in that bucket. You want to yeah. know who's the best five? I, you know, obviously that if you're if that is your criteria, then yes. But it's a little bit. Uh, th- you have to think of it, I guess, a little bit like you know the college football rankings, where you know the the difference between the second team in the country and the third team in the country or the fourth team in the country sometimes can be pretty significant. Um, like you know, Georgia like, and TCU. Yeah, like Georgia. Exactly. Exactly. Like, yeah, I mean, you could probably make the argument Ohio State, but you get my right, point. That's kind of it. Enough. I'm not saying that it's that big of a uh, that big of a gap, but that's kind of my point. That you know, if 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 you're gonna put them in together and say, oh, you know, Joe Burrow's one of the top three, top four quarterbacks in the league. Yeah. No, I mean, I don't know who's gonna who's gonna disagree with you at this point, but. If you're going to say Joe Burrow and Patrick Mahomes are like pretty close, pretty comparable, I still don't think that that's true. Uh, just I think Mahomes is so unfathomably best. He's he's the best quarterback that I have ever seen. Um, and yet you confidently I, I just, I picked against him not a few days ago. Yeah, not, because I I didn't think that. I didn't think he could pretty much win a game by himself because I thought he was going to have to because the Never. Eagles. Like if you told me the Eagles were going to score thirty-five points, I went, "Oh, oh, this game might get this game might get ugly because Mahomes might be hurt. I don't think the Chiefs are going to be able to run the ball a lot. What kind of weapons do they have? Uh, and the Chiefs scored thirty-one offensive points. They got a defensive touchdown and they won the game. Like that, yeah. it's crazy." So to that point, I mean, like you said, they ran the ball a lot, and it wasn't just with Isaiah Pacheco, who I want to talk about. But I mean, dude, Mahomes. He didn't run like what Jalen Hurts ran for, which, I mean, Jalen Hurts broke the Super Bowl record for rushing yards by a quarterback and rushing touchdowns because I think he had three in that game. But, I mean, dude, Mahomes still had some really big runs, especially when, you know, they were cooking in the second half with those, you know, 31 points. I mean, that's the thing is, like, if we're going back to the Bengals here, like, we talked about Joe Mixon, the struggles he had, the inconsistencies he had, you know, beginning and end of the year. Like, dude, Isaiah Pacheco. Mind you, a seventh-round pick who I knew nothing about until Clyde Edwards-Alaire got hurt, and they had to basically put him in, and they used him for the rest of the year. I mean, that kid was a stud. I mean, for being, like, what he was, a seventh-round pick, you know, being a backup for half the season, like, dude, if Mahomes did not play as well as he did, I would have said, make that kid, like, your Super Bowl MVP. I mean, he was just on fire. Like, he was on a tear. I mean, what, 15 carries, 76 yards? you know, five and a, over five yards of carry and a touchdown, and he was a little bit involved in the receiving game. I mean, I don't know. That's that's one thing, thing the Bengals have to work on. Like we talked about it. If the Bengals want to get anywhere close to where they were this year or beyond, running game has to improve. We talked about it last week, whether you bring back Mixon or not, whether you bring back Pirine or not, and we can even talk more about that this week too. Got to fix the run game. And like we said, Mahomes wasn't touched once. I get it. They have, you know, Creed Humphrey and I think Joe Tooney are the two pro bowlers on that offensive line. I mean, they're there for a reason and they're doing what they did for a reason. And the Bengals, I think up until those injuries were doing fine, but you got to have that depth because I get it. And I've said this before, you're not going to have a complete solid offensive line from top to bottom, but for a Burrow to get hit as many times as he did in the AFC championship was unacceptable. 
unacceptable. And so that's something that I think, you know, we'll talk more about with the combine and predictions in the draft. But I think, look, if the Bengals can just make sure their offensive line is top notch, if they can improve the running game, whether it's getting a new running back, you know, doing things differently with Joe Mixon, you know, I'm not a coach. That's why those guys are the coaches. But if you can improve that, and by the way, one other thing that people shouldn't overlook, like one of the biggest Achilles heels the Eagles had going into that game, I think was special teams. When I say special teams, I mean special teams coverage. That punt return from Kadarius Tony that set up that last touchdown for the Chiefs, that was the longest in Super Bowl history. Go back to the AFC Championship. Sky Moore, his punt return wasn't as fancy, but his punt return's part of why the Chiefs got so far downfield on that game-winning drive. So, I mean, again, that's a little thing, but it's not something you can overlook either. So if the Bengals can improve all those things and just keep building on the success they had with, you know, Jamar Chase and D. Higgins, I guarantee you I think we'll see these teams in the AFC Championship again. But if the Bengals want to win that game, Compared to last year, we're going to have to see some adjustments. Speaking of adjustments, when we come back on the show, we're going to talk more about what the Bengals are doing right, the odds for next year's Super Bowl, where the Bengals fit into it, and what the rest of the offseason looks like for Cincinnati, and much, much more right here on the Strictly Stripes podcast. Hey there, it's Muhammad Ahmad from the Strictly Stripes podcast. You might be wondering, what exactly is Cincinnati Football Insider? Well, it's a community of fans who want the inside scoop on the Bengals and a direct connection to the Strictly Stripes podcast and the reporters who cover the team. And that would be me, Andrew Gillis, and Mike Nislick. It works like this. Andrew, Mike, and I will text your phone a few times a day with breaking news, analysis, and our insights on the Bengals. It's the inside scoop on what we're hearing, and we'll give you the inside word before it even hits social media. Being an insider is the best way to participate with the podcast and get in on special events and Zoom calls with me, Mike, and Andrew. And the best part is you can text us directly. It's a great way to cut through the clutter of Facebook, Twitter, other social media, and avoid the trolls for just $4.99 a month. Still not sure? Well, just try it for two weeks, and if you don't like it, you can text the word STOP at any time, but you won't want to cancel once you join the community of hardcore Bengals fans. Here's the best way to get on board. Go to cleveland.com slash Bengals, click on the blue banner at the top of the page, or if it's easier, text 513-940-4193. It's a great time to try the two weeks free, as we'll be reporting live from the NFL Combine in Indianapolis. Plus, we'll be covering free agency on the way to the NFL Draft in April. Give us a try for two weeks and see what you think. Just text this number again. It's 513-940-4193 and become an insider today. And thanks for staying with us on the Strictly Stripes podcast. So looking at the super-duper early odds for next year's Super Bowl, uh, of course, the Chiefs are the favorite for next year. Uh, right behind them are the Buffalo Bills. Then you got the San Francisco 49ers. Then you got the Eagles, who just played in the big game. And then you got the Bengals at plus 900 with the fifth-best odds. Some uh, people have them with the fourth-best fourth odds. So you got the Bengals. At the number four, five spot in terms of odds for next year. Um, I mean, I, I agree with that. Like, do you guys agree with that? I looked at it and I was like, yeah. I, I don't know if I like where the, the Bills and 49ers are, but I think the, the, the Bengals are in a good spot, at least compared to last year. They were like, I think they were number 10 after the Super Bowl last year. So clearly, I think they've gotten a little more attention from Vegas, but I'd say I agree with those. You guys agree with that? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think it's fair. Uh, you you kind of look at the Chiefs have to be the favorites. They I don't, I don't see a conceivable world in which they're not. You know the Bills Bengals were always going to be close. Um, you know I got no problem with that. Yeah, there are some books that have the Bengals 
as higher or better odds than the um, than the Bills to win a title. Eagles and, and 49ers are going to be up there in the NFC as well. I mean, the 49ers just made a conference championship game with Brock Purdy. Like, imagine what's going to happen when, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo comes back and you kind of get some uh, some veteran stuff in there. Or does you he get, come back? You know, we'll see. Like, does Jimmy G come back? Do they do they opt to go with Trey Lance? And uh, Haven't they already said know, that Jimmy G's not coming back? Have they Have they said that? I'm, I have that's been, what I've I heard. heard. All right, well, so then they go with Trey Lance. So, they, you know, maybe they go with, you know, so Trey Lance is their guy then, I guess. Um, but, I mean, if he can turn into something fun, I mean, last year, the, the was it the 49ers, they, they started five quarterbacks, I think it was, or they played five quarterbacks throughout the year. Um, it, was, it was pretty yeah. ridiculous. So, like, if the 49ers get any kind of stability quarterback with Kyle Shanahan and that, that defense, they're going to be really good. So, um, I, I mean, it's about what you would expect. I, I figured the Chiefs would be one, and then you could really kind of convince me of Cincinnati, Buffalo, Philly, San Fran, any one of those teams, two to five, I'd be cool with. I think, yeah. I think so it's all pretty close. I mean, it's bunched higher. up. The Bengals, uh, you know, plus 900. I mean, you know, what I was looking at, uh, San Francisco and Buffalo are about plus 600, 650. So um, Bengals aren't far off in that conversation. Um, you know, obviously the NFC favorite, I think it's fair to probably put them second. Um, you know, the Bills, uh, I, I think the Bills and Bengals should be interchangeable. Um, but obviously people still high on the Bills, uh, still from last season. Um, so uh, we'll see. I mean, top five, I feel like, is right where they should be. And under plus 1,000 is probably, I think, uh, makes you know is, is a respectable number for, for, for them. Yeah. I mean, like I said, we agree with number one. I think we agree with where the Bengals are. I just don't know how I feel about the Bills being number two. I think they're more of a number three team, but... Like, it even makes a difference at this point. I mean, we're, we just came right off of the Super Bowl. I mean, we haven't gone through free agency or, I mean, the rest of the offseason, so what do I know? But, yeah, I'd say right off the bat that's not bad. Um, but, you know, another thing with the Bengals I don't want to overlook here, and actually this kind of ties into the Super Bowl as well, uh, Jonathan Gannon, Eagles defensive coordinator, um, he uh, was interviewing or has interviewed already at the time we're taping this podcast with the Arizona Cardinals for their head coaching job, which – it's only fitting because obviously the Super Bowl was in Phoenix slash Glendale. So uh, they talked to him today if they haven't already. But as we've been talking about, Luana Rumo is also a finalist for that job, which makes me think if they've already talked to Anna Rumo, and they've talked to him twice, by the way, they had the second interview last Friday. I mean, obviously they had to talk again and now because, you know, the Super Bowl and everything, he had to focus on that. So I don't know. Do you think, like, at this point, like they were just buying time to you know, get the interview for Gannon and then give it to him? Or do you think there's still a chance that, like, you know, maybe there's something they like better with Lou Anaruma and they give him the job? What do you guys think is going to happen with that, if you had to guess? Well, I, don't well, I mean, I think it's waited. interesting. I don't think they would have yeah, waited. If Lou, You're going to say what yeah. I was going to say, so go ahead, Mike. I, yeah, I don't think they would have waited if Lou was the guy. I mean, you don't, you, know, you don't delay to do that. I mean, you hire the guy you want. I mean, I think it's pretty clear that, you know, they have a candidate if this falls through. Uh, if they can't come to contract terms or, you know, something kind of wacky happens. But I think that, um, you know, if they held the search for this guy, he's probably the guy that's going to win it. 
Yeah, and and not for nothing, uh, Jonathan Gannon is is forty years old. Um, you know, I I, th- I think that and he's a new forty two. So I, I uh, you know I think that that I think that that might matter. Um, you know, you get a guy who's a little bit younger. Uh, you know, whereas we when we talked about Lou on this podcast, you know, we said, listen, you know, he's fifty six is certainly not old by uh, you know by coaching standards in terms of you still have 10, 15 years left if you want to coach, um, but he was kind of reaching that time where, you know, it, you kind of want to look at a job and have to really think about it because you never know when another head coaching job is going to come up. So, um, you know, I think that if you want to go for kind of a youthful guy, maybe, uh, you know, guy that, you know, you can have for a little bit longer if everything goes well, I think that'd work. But yeah, I think the, uh, you know, the, the interview after the Super Bowl is interesting to me. And I mean, it'd be a major, major win for the Bengals, if you can get through this off season where made the Super Bowl last year and, you know, you came within a few plays of winning that game, you came within a few plays of making the Super Bowl again this year, and you might keep both of your coordinators, keep your quarterback coach, like you might keep kind of everybody in line. I think that would be a, a pretty significant win for the Bengals. So if you are the Cardinals and you had to make a decision, and like I said, I think it is going to be Gannon because like you said, why would you wait that long and, give it to Lou Anarumo if you were going to give it to him anyway. I mean, if you are the Cardinals, do you actually go with Gannon or do you go with Anarumo? Like, who do you think is the better candidate? Like, who would you go with? Um, You know, it's hard to say, you know, because they, they had different different levels of talent. You know, I, I had said on, on here before that, you know, I thought that the Eagles had, you know, from top to bottom, the most talented team in the league. Uh, they they certainly have more talent on their defense than the um, – have more talent on their defense than the, um, uh, than the Bengals do, and, and that's nothing against the Bengals. I just think that the the Eagles are one of the best and most talented uh, units in the league. So they're kind of interesting candidates. Uh, you know, if you if you want the more experienced guy, you know, the guy who's maybe seen a little bit more. Obviously, Anna Rumo's your your case, but uh, you know, Gannon's forty, and, and it feels like teams always just kind of like to go with that younger state. Uh, you know, the younger the the hungry, however you want to phrase it, it, it feels like that's the direction the teams lean a lot these days. So, um, I mean, we'll see. I, I don't know a ton about Jonathan Gannon, but, um, you know, I think that uh, it, it, it's an interesting case study as to kind of do you take the younger defensive guy because typically teams go offense and this team looks, the Cardinals look like they're going defense. Yeah, I think it's a bizarre situation either way. I think that – when you've given your franchise over to Kyler Murray and the last coach lost his job because he couldn't connect with them, um, you obviously make a defensive hire. That makes no sense to me. So, um, <laughs> it, you know, it's it's strange. Um, I, I would, I would, be, I mean, I, I think if you're Lou, I mean, yeah, you know, I mean, you probably want that head coaching job, but, um, you know, it, I think when he looks back on it, uh, if, you know, especially if the Bengals can win a Super Bowl, he'll be happy that um, it turned out the way it did. I don't know, honestly. By the way, here's an interesting thing about John again before I say what I'm going to say. But the first four years of his career after playing at Louisville, um, where he had a season or career ending injury, actually, when, when he played at Louisville as a wide receiver, he was an assistant for Bobby Petrino, student and grad assistant for three years. Followed him to Atlanta when Petrino was only there for like 10 months. Was a defensive quality con- con- control coach. Then he was a scout for a couple years for the Rams. And then he coached with the Titans, Vikings, and Colts as a DB's coach before coming to the Eagles. So he's young. 
Uh, he's definitely, I mean, if you took a team like that to the Super Bowl with the depth they had, very talented and experienced. But I'd say you go with Anarumo, which, for the record, I think it is strange that it came down to those two. No disrespect to either of them because of the optics of their situation. But, I mean, Anarumo's seen more. He's learned more. He's done more. I mean, 56 is not old for coaching standards. Because, I mean, a lot of coaches have been hired at that age. Like, this is probably a silly example, but Andy Reid went over to the Chiefs when he was 55. So, I mean, if we're worried about age here, I don't think Lou Anarumo's worried about age, and I don't think anybody should be. But here's the thing with the quarterback, though, and maybe I'm just being a weirdo when I say this, but, I mean, think about it. Like, Lou Anarumo sees what Joe Burrow's capable of. He's with him on a day-to-day basis. Like, he's told us he's glad he doesn't have to plan against a guy like that. But he knows the strengths of a guy like Burrow. He knows the strengths of a Patrick Mahomes and a Josh Allen and all these quarterbacks that are on his, like, hit list that he's basically dealt with, you know, the last two, three years as a defensive coordinator. So I think he can reverse engineer that with Kyler, potentially, I think, can reverse engineer that and play into those strengths and see, okay, what can Kyler do right? What is he not doing enough of? And how can I discipline him to be that guy that the Cardinals drafted him number one overall to be for all that money? I'm not saying Gannett can't do that because clearly you could say, oh, well, he was with Jalen Hurts, but they've only been together for two years. Anarumo's been with Burrow a little longer, and he's just been in the league longer, so he's seen more and he's done more. He's gone against even more elite quarterbacks like Tom Brady. So I just think from a reverse engineering standpoint, I'd give Anarumo that. But again, I don't know why the Cardinals wanted to go defense in that situation. But again, that probably says more about that franchise than we can say. But before I wrap up with a fun little kicker here, uh, I want to just kind of ask you guys this, because obviously like the season is completely done. We're fully, completely, deeply submerged into the off season all around. You know, we've talked about all the different moves and things the Bengals can do, you know, at this point in the year, you know, heading into free agency in the combine. But if you kind of started breaking down the off season, like what is one move that just comes to your mind right now that like you want to see the Bengals make, whether it's keeping a guy, letting go of a guy, or is there somebody you want to see the Bengals bring in? Is there anybody that comes to mind just off the whim? I don't frame it like that because, um, I mean, I don't, whatever the Bengals do, they do. I mean, I, I, I mean, you kind of well, pretend you're Duke Tobin. You're, 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 you're making right. But I mean, I, I think I would view it as like what would be a smart move as opposed to what I, I don't want them to do. I don't, you know, it's not my personal sort of desire. <laughs> I'm not having nothing. No, no, no investment in it. You know, in terms of like what they, it's, it's, you know, you're covering it, and I, I view it just view it differently. Um, sure, I understand. You know, I think if you're the Bengals, you, you know, the, your number, your the to-do list is signing Joe Burrow to an extension, and you don't do anything else until you have that done. I think that dictates everything else you're going to do um, in terms of cap space, in terms of players you want to keep, in terms of free agency you want to sign. Um, you know, how much is he willing, discount is he willing to give you? I think all those questions um, sort of trump anything else that you can do, and you can't really. Um, I, I don't think it would be sp- responsible to, to, to do anything else if you're content on signing him now versus waiting. I mean, I think it, you know, there's something to be said about trying to get one more year on that rookie deal and what you could do with that money, but I think they want to reward a guy like Burrow and keep him happy. So um, if that's the case, I think that's that's the priority, you know, star, check mark, whatever you want to say. Yeah, Mike. Uh, Mike kind of stole a little bit of my thunder there. That was that's kind of what I was going to say. I think you know, while Burrow's not making that's always what, what I'm going... trying to do. That's that's my my only goal. <laughs> <laughs> so you're here. So you didn't bet enough to become an oil baron. Yeah, yeah. We're not gonna we're not gonna talk about that. 
Um, Oil Tycoon. Tycoon, yeah, remember, we're using that word yeah, now. We, uh, yeah, it's uh, – did not – I mean, we were done. Seven to three was over, what, like six minutes into the game? Um, how, whatever the Kelsey touchdown was, that's, uh, that went away pretty quickly. Um, yeah, so sadly we're still here. Uh, sadly I'm still sadly. here. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, listen, like I understand. Like, listen, I like talking about football. I like – you know, writing about football, but uh, you know what else is really neat? Uh, drinking a beer on the beach in the Bahamas. Um, that would be cool. Really? Uh, but anyway, um, <laughs> you know, I think one of the things that, like Mike said, was you've got to kind of capitalize on this now. You can't necessarily look ahead to the future because who knows what's going to make. I mean, obviously, you, you have to get Burrow under, under wraps and then – once you figure that out, then everything else can kind of fall into place. But, you know, one of the things that I, 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 I'm curious to see is if they try to upgrade a tackle, I think that would be kind of a smart, savvy move to make because you don't know what Leo Collins' health is right now. Or, I mean, maybe they do and we don't. But it's on, you know, who knows what he's going to be when he comes back. Jonah Williams is entering a contract year. You you're gonna need a I mean, and look what happened at the end of the year when you have two tackles get hurt. You're gonna need some kind of plan for for 2024, and I think that this would be a nice off season to kind of add that. I mean, if they add a first round tackle this year, I, you're not gonna hear any complaining from me. You're not gonna hear any saying I, I don't know about this. Same I don't here. like this move. This was this. I don't think this was smart. I I, I think that adding an offensive lineman, specifically a tackle, would be would be a nice move and. Um, I think that that would really kind of go a long way into keeping Joe Burrow upright and, you know, maybe giving him an extra second to go win an AFC championship game. <laughs> yeah, I like that. I think to kind of bounce off what Mike said, I mean, the priority is obviously Joe Burrow. He's the face of your franchise. He's the centerpiece of everything involving the Bengals world. But I think if there's anything else you can do off of that, I would say make sure you extend T. Higgins. I know it's going to be tough, especially because of, you know, how the Bengals aren't in a big, massive market where they have the big dollars like that, but they have, you know, the fourth most cap space in the league. They both want to be together, and so does Jamar Chase. I think the cards will fall when they may after that, but I think if you can prioritize those two things, signing Burrow, signing Higgins, maybe the rest of the chess pieces sort themselves out in free agency in the draft, but I think those are two imperative things you have to do. We're definitely, I think, going to see Burrow get extended, Higgins is a toss-up, but I think it's leaning more in the direction of him getting signed. And we talked about it, at least me and Mike did last week on the pod. I mean, it really seems like they're all in the same vacuum together and they want to get this done. So if everyone can get what they want, then the Bengals will be happy. They'll be happy. And uh, they will build on all the advice we just gave them the last half hour. But the most pressing, important question I I have to, have to, have to ask you guys before we wrap up. Who should... And we'll do the Super Bowl halftime show next year. Who wants to go first? Hmm. <laughs> I can go first if you want, if you want to think yeah, about it. Yeah, please go first, because I have no idea. Laugh at me and mock me all you want, but honestly, and as it, I'm saying this as someone who's not really all into that music, who hasn't been into music since college, but I'd like to see Taylor Swift do the halftime show next year. Andrew, don't put your hand on your face no, like Taylor that. Swift well, is, Taylor Swift is really good. Uh, but you seem like kind of really shocked when I said that. Well, no, because I mean, it was like I mean, if you could, if if I could have said, what is the most basic answer a person could give right now? How is that uh, a basic Taylor's, answer? 
How is the how is Taylor Swift a basic answer for that question? I mean, I'm surprised she hasn't done a halftime show by this point. I'm actually very surprised. I was surprised Rihanna didn't until this year too. But like, I so guarantee they, you, you go, I guarantee you, you Google like who should perform the 2024 halftime show. I did Taylor not. Swift is the first person. I did to not. Come. I literally guarantee thought it. about it last night. I was like. If Rihanna just did it, and she's about the same age as Taylor Swift, because I think Rihanna's a year older, I'm like, yeah, then Taylor Swift has to be next in line from, like, a timing, popularity standpoint. Because, like, think about Taylor Swift. Like, I'm going to make people sound old when I say this. I'm 24, and she's had songs come out since I was nine years old. Rihanna, I think her first single came out when I was in the first grade. Like, these two have been doing what they've been doing for so long, and they've been so good at it. And, like, again, good for Rihanna. I think she did great last night, but... I think it's Taylor Swift's time. Like, you got to get to those people who should have done it way back when, for, who didn't do it for whatever reason, who got to do it now. Kind of like how last year you had Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg and Kendrick Lamar and that whole L.A. rap scene. You had Mary J. Blige, who's a legend in her own right. Like, I'm surprised they hadn't done it, like, 10, 15 years earlier in their primes. I mean, I guess better later than never, but that's not a basic answer. I just gave a whole line of reasoning to that. Who, who would you do that instead, Andrew? I want to hear your answer. I think you've thought about it. No, I have no, there's not like thought no about it. of an insult to call somebody basic these days. So thank I was like, you. Right. Thank you, Mike. Oh, I didn't, I didn't call. Whoa, 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 whoa. We're all, we're all writers. We all pay att- We're all podcasters. We pay attention to words. Didn't say he was basic. I said you, what well, he said I think was that, basic. I think, well, no. So I, I, I think it was a shot across the bow. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was a personal attack at everyone Muhammad loves. Next, you're going to call him mid. Yeah. Oh, 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 wow. Oh, oh. My, wow. Someone was on Urban Dictionary today. Someone was <laughs> someone was looking up words of the day. No, my kids, no, my kids, no, my kids come home and they call, you know, they call everything sus. So Mike, I thought they're in elementary school. Eight and ten. They they know what they already the, know they the know word sus. sus. Wow. Yeah. Dang. Man. Wow. I, thought, I mean, I thought they were like they were like middle school age, I would that would make sense because my brother knew that word when he was like thirteen, but I'm like, dang. Urban dictionary, that's a good one. Hey, for the record though, my dad's like he's gonna be forty nine this year, and he is always on Urban Dictionary. He even tells me he's on Urban Dictionary, so that was a good clap back, Andrew. But seriously, like, like who who would you guys do? Like, Mike, do you have anyone in mind? Like, who would you want to see perform next year? Wayne Newton. Well, it's gay. Yeah, it's got to be Vegas themed. Right. Ah, I see where you're going with this. I don't know much or about a the hologram dude, but... of Dean Martin. You probably don't even know who that is. <laughs> no, I've heard of Dean Martin. He's like super old school. He's a legend, though, right? He's like. Um... Wait, what kind of music did he make? I just know he's like an old school guy. I'm not I'm not as cultured as I should be. I'm sorry, Mike. I don't come from your awesome time. Dig up the rat pack. I will do that. As soon as this podcast is over, I will do that. You're gonna Andrew, dig them up? I might like dig them up from their graves and have them perform at halftime. It was a very good um, joke. But if you're if you're gonna go do that, good luck. I'll try my best not to get caught with a federal crime, but we'll see. There you go. There we go. Um, I don't know. I mean, I really liked the the halftime show last year um, in L.A. That I was mean, good. Uh, Rihanna was obviously really good. Oh, God. Uh, so let's try and diversify here. Uh, first thing that came to mind, the Foo Fighters. They would be cool. Um, Actually, get a little bit. I, I could see that. I think the Foo Fighters would be good. Um, I, I, you know, see I like that. them. I think it would give a little bit of a... A little bit of a curveball to kind of what we've seen over the last few years. So 
that is my very, very non-scientific, I thought about it for four minutes answer. I mean, if you want to talk Adele, about bait. Adele is, has now, is I think going to do, is, is after much delay, is doing her residency at Las Vegas now. Um, she would make a lot of sense if for a year. Wait, so you know, you resi- people care about residency? Vegas. Yeah, she does shows for the year at the at Vegas at a specific uh, venue. So oh, you said residency. Right, you know, I thought you meant first. like like medical residency. I was like, wait, Adele's a doctor? Yeah, now? she's getting her she's getting her doctorate in uh, in at Las Vegas. That's that's what that means. That's wow, I was about to say UNLV has like a med program for singers. Like that's so dope. <laughs> I don't know. If you want to talk about basic, though, Andrew, I, I think the more basic answer than Taylor Swift would have been Drake. That would have been more basic. And I think he'd I be a hate, good one, I too. I wouldn't hate Drake. Yeah, I wouldn't hate Drake. I wouldn't either, but I'm saying like, that, that seems more basic to me than someone like Taylor Swift. But to each their own, right? Trying to, I mean, he. I mean, he can't. He can't take it back. He said what he said. He thinks you're basic. Right. That's what I'm saying. I'm just, yeah. I'm just trying to like uh, reiterate that. There's no uh, re- return from that. So I mean, whatever, whatever the whatever the show is, it's going to be really good because, uh, like, if you've ever seen a Vegas Golden Knights like pregame show that they do before before their hockey games, uh, and I'm sure that you know I've seen a little bit of stuff from like the Raiders. Uh, they hype that thing up. So I mean, it's going to be a insane production either way. So. It'll be good. It'll be fun. It'll be something for me to uh, listen to as I scoop more buffalo chicken dip onto my plate next year. What, what or maybe we'll be there. Who knows? Though? Yeah, who knows? What, maybe, we might be there. Be there. Don't, we'll no, be there. So you said the Bengals aren't going to be in the Super Bowl next year. He's already predicting it. Sure. I'm just kidding. Well, I, I'm, I mean, I'm the odds stop. are that they're not going to make it. They have a 1 in 16 chance to make it. I'll spear you, and uh, Mike and I will stop bullying you. We'll stop bullying you for the day, Andrew. I think we've piled on you enough. So I'll I'll be the scapegoat tomorrow. Maybe, Mike, I'll I'll get after you Wednesday or Thursday, whichever day I get you on. But, hey, for those listening, it's all smoke and mirrors. We're just having fun. Stay tuned because tomorrow we're going to have even more fun laying out uh, the path for the Bengals offseason, maybe other decisions, hint, hint, Lamar Jackson, that would play a big role in shaping the AFC North and much, much more. But for myself, Mike Nislik, and Andrew Gillis, I'm Muhammad Ahmad. Thanks for tuning in. See you Tuesday.